Welcome to the 2021 Oscars with Crush Fictionally. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle Veray. And I'm and Kimberly Trung. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I was too excited, uh, Michelle. I just hopped right in there. That's okay. That's what the Oscars are for. We're no James Franco or Anne Hathaway up in this place. Um, I totally we, uh, Kanye Wested you uh, and just <laughs> interrupted. I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. <laughs> Um, I guess that makes me Taylor Swift, which is fine. Um, Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, We are so excited um, to talk about all things Oscars and the list of nominations. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got some fun facts. Um, It's just us, though, hosting, and we've got some hot takes on this list of nominees. We shortened it. We're not going to go through all the nominations, but if you yeah, care not sure about- if you guys care about my opinion on um uh, <laughs> on best editing, not sure you need my opinion on that. Not sure you need my opinion on any of this, to be honest. So thank you for listening. <laughs> but if you do want our opinions on editing, just hit us up on Instagram and slide into our DMs, and then we'll tell you what we think. Yeah, um, I'm not opposed to talk about editing. I'm just saying, like, ha- <laughs> it's a real stretch for me to like work in the whole like fictional character angle with editing. <laughs> <laughs> so we stuck to the fictional characters just for you guys today. Uh, some interesting facts about this year's list of nominations. There are 35 nominations for Netflix, which I think is an wow. all-time high for them as a streaming service. Wow. There are 70 women, 70, 70. Wow. 70 women nominated in this Oscar race, which is the most ever. And I think we should continue with that to do mm-hmm. the most. Um, speaking of doing the most, um, so was the Borat season. In their full title, there are 109 letters, <laughs> which is Borat <laughs> subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime to make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. He would have, so, back in the day, it would have just made it into a tweet. <laughs> just barely. Just barely made it into a tweet. And if you listen to Crush Fictionally in order of when they come out, you know that we just talked about period films, period pieces with the lovely mm-hmm. Sankita Singh Kurtz from The Cut. And there are four, count them four, period films cited for Best Picture. Interesting. We, we, we like old stuff, you know what I mean? We don't want to talk <laughs> about nothing now. <laughs> nothing new. Um, but what is new is, speaking of new, first time acting nominees, there are 11. Oh, I love that. Oh, and I have a very, ooh, I have a very strong uh, association with one in particular. Ooh. Oh, I can't wait to, for you to talk about it and tell our listeners what it is. Um, we were, we we're going to go through this list, but I'm going to say I do enjoy watching the Oscars. I think if you guys listened to our Golden Globes episode, you know, I love the fashion. I love the red carpet. <laughs> I love the stuff that doesn't make it. Speaking of editing, that doesn't get edited out. I love people dropping F-bombs, uh, people making mistakes about who the winners are. I love all that stuff. Um <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's living for that moonlight situation. Um, I'm living for that moonlight situation of everybody looking confused. What? What happened? Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say that I enjoyed a lot of these movies that are on this list. So much so they had me all up in my feelings. Not in, I, don't, I don't really want to quote Drake. So I guess I'd go with Michael Jackson and be like, ooh, the way you make me feel. Oscar nominations. 
<laughs> like there were so many times where I was crying or sobbing during some of these movies because I felt like there were some really heartfelt um, movies or at least maybe stories and fictional characters that resonated with me. And whether they're 11 first time actor nominees or not, I was feeling a lot of things watching these movies. But um, Kim, you feel the opposite, not necessarily about feelings, but about <laughs> I have no award shows. <laughs> um, I do. Again, if you had listened to our Golden Globes episode, you can skip it. Uh, you just listen to this one. Uh, the I I have a love hate relationship with awards and awards season. The funniest part is that I've been living in LA for going on seven years now, which is crazy. And before I moved here, I never really cared for watching awards and then i moved here and it's like a thing here if you because the industry obviously is huge in los angeles so um yeah i i i do have uh my uh, don't get me wrong i think there's something very cool about everything michelle just said the spontaneity the unedited uh things that wind up live on the air the fashion i do love all of that i think that is to be celebrated but i think for so many years the gatekeepers for these awards have been not allowing particular people into the awards uh mm -hmm. and i think this year especially i'm hoping we're finally learning some lessons in terms of diversity representation in media and that means representation in award season so well wasn't it was it marlon brando i'm gonna butcher this fun fact because i didn't look it up uh, before we started this but wasn't it marlon brando who refused to accept his academy award I feel like because when we talked about Marlon Brando, I looked I him up and I this. remember that that he he won an Oscar and he sent this Native American woman to accept on his behalf <gasps> or or not accept on his behalf, but go as if she was. And she got up on stage and said th that he couldn't accept this award because he felt that um, the way that Native people in this country are treated is not right and so he wanted wow. her, to her to come up and talk about it anyway she looked amazing she was so articulate and she had this letter with her that she read wow. and she was so well composed i couldn't even imagine how frightening that would have been she was booed i believe <gasps> and then he was he was kind of seen as like um a troublemaker it was kind of like a red mark on his reputation because people wow. thought that it was really like ungrateful of him and they kept showing all these images of of her um well, maybe i should look up her name so i'm giving um her more credit than i'm giving her I'm right Googling now but now um i just thought that was such a when it happened and kim will tell us shortly as she looks it up when exactly it happened but i feel like what a progressive thing to happen at that time. Okay, so I'm looking this up. Her name is Sachin. Uh, apologies if I'm uh, butchering his name. Sachin Littlefeather. And mm. this was in 1973 for when Marlon Brando was supposed to accept the award for The Godfather. Yes. Wow. Yes. This is incredible. I never heard of this story. And they wow. have video. Um, if yeah, anybody's you can, interested, you there's can video look up on her here. picture. She looks gorgeous. She um, looks fantabulous. 
and she was she had this really calm voice but she how much courage she had to do that on her own like she didn't go up there with anybody else but to go up there on her own and do that in front of all these hollywood people as as kim you just mentioned who are like the gatekeepers to hollywood and award season and to give that speech ooh i can't even imagine but i i watched the video you can watch it on youtube of her of what she says and and you can hear people booing because they felt it was poor form um Oh. But she she kept with it, and they didn't like cut her mic. They no one Kanye'd her. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Can you imagine? Um, but yeah, I uh, I kind of actually love that. <laughs> I love this so much. I mean, it it reminds me of Frances McDormand, wasn't it? Just last year or the year before, uh, where she accepted the award for I want to say three billboards outside of Ebbing, mm. um, and uh, she was like hello hollywood women where are you like wh- wh- why are they not on the stage why are they not nominated granted it was way more uh poetic than what i'm saying right now but francis mcdormand uh used her platform to talk about uh the lack of gender diversity we also had joaquin phoenix of all people i want to say it was at bafta um i don't want to say it was at the oscars maybe Maybe I think it was. you're right. I think it was at the BAFTA Awards last right. year. Right. He gave a really compelling speech about, again, like diversity in Hollywood and how he felt uncomfortable with what he was seeing. So I personally think that that is probably why I've had so many issues with award seasons in the past, because if people of color were getting nominated, they were getting nominated for playing slaves or Martin Luther King. And like, these are, these are people throughout history that we obviously should know about. We should learn about, but I don't know. I I'm just so tired of seeing POC only play slaves. Um, It's really it's just very tiring and exhausting to watch. And I can't even imagine. Um, We also just need to make sure that there are more stories out there being told by black Americans for black Americans and for POC by POC, because there's only so much uh, abuse of POC that I want to see on screen that I can take. And I think we touched on it a little bit when we talked about period pieces that are, that we have a love hate for period pieces because a lot of the period pieces are based on white history mm-hmm. and that's not all the history that exists. Um, but and we're whitewashed fed a- history too. Right. And we're fed a lot of that. And so why do people who are, whether they're, whether they're historical figures or not, or fictional characters, why do they have to be relegated to not the leading role that relegated to, you know, um, are characterized as as slaves and savages or like um maids and mm-hmm. houseboys and things mm-hmm. like that and it's so i i think the reason that maybe one of the reasons that i was in my feelings for a lot of these films that are on this list is because it's a there was diversity this year there's oh, a diverse set of beautiful diversity of characters too. um and like the tapestry women. right like mm-hmm. the the, ta- the rich tapestry of these diverse characters and what they were playing outside of stereotypes outside of roles that we've seen normally given to white people white actors mm-hmm. uh given to poc i mean i ooh, i have so many thoughts and feelings uh 
I'm like you. I'm in my feelings. And I think this year was a very pivotal year. It, it, this is the year that I think I will be paying attention more to award mm. season. Oh, what a good intro. Um, let's get started. Should yes. we get started and Shall start we? this crush fictionally Oscar race? Dun, 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 dun. That's not the song. <laughs> I don't know what I think that I was like know. Hail was to that the like Chief. a star? Oh, I, yeah. Maybe it was Hail to the Chief. I didn't know if you were taking a Star Wars route, but I'm here for it, Kim. Let's start this show. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, this is very terrible. Uh, <laughs> guys, uh, let's start off with this first nomination here that we've got on our list. We have got on our list actor in a leading role. The nominations are Riz Ahmed. For Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yun for Minari. Michelle, what you think? Oof. What are we going to do? Listen. <laughs> Man. Listen. Go ahead. Listen. What were you going to say? What were you going to say? Well, before we give our predictions, I need to say this out loud. I know, Michelle, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you said this in our Golden Globes episode, but we need to give a shout out for Delroy Lindo, who was totally snubbed from this category for I don't The know, Five Bloods. Ever, <laughs> you just saying his name gives me chills because the, the way that he played that character in The Five Bloods was extraordinary it was like it was otherworldly it, it was it, it was the a, performance of a lifetime and of, how he didn't get nominated i do not know um so we're gonna add him to this list <laughs> because he we've added him to the crush fictionally 2021 oscars because delroy lindo um first of all is amazing but he was so amazing in that movie uh portraying a character who has ptsd mm-hmm. um who may have s- some other you know uh, mental challenges but oh my god he was incredible and heartbreaking uh, Heartbreaking. I didn't see Spike Lee on this list, but we can talk about that later. Uh, but yeah. yes, mm-hmm. he completely should be on this list. Um, at I, a I'll minimum, be at a minimum, <laughs> Delroy Lindo should have been on this list in representation for to five bloods. At a minimum, at a minimum, because there was so so much um, amazing acting happening in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. I I am impressed uh, as far as Riz Ahmed, Chad Wick Boseman, and Stephen Young being on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact if Stephen Yun, I know he was left out in, I can't remember if that was like Golden Globes or somewhere else, but um, man, uh, I would have loved to see some more representation at all on this entire list for To Five Bloods. Um, but if I had to predict anything, I'd say probably Chadwick Boseman, um, his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just shook me to my core. Oh, it is. I said heartbreaking before, but I'm going to use it again. Like heartbreaking Delroy Lindo broke my heart and Chadwick Brosman broke my heart. These are absolutely great performances. I, I mean, of course, I would love to see Riz Ahmed or Steven Yun take this home because, again, I think they were both incredible uh, in Sound of Metal and Minari. So, I, yeah. I, I think it's heartbreaking to have to choose because I, I think that Riz Ahmed is, he's um, the first, I think, nominee who is Pakistani and the oh. first 
Muslim nominee, which wow. I'm like, love that. Um, and I just feel like, oh, like Riz Ahmed being in this category with someone like Chadwick Boseman and Delroy Lindo. I'm just, this feels oh, right. It breaks my heart this feels because right. <laughs> I'm glad he's here. I wish that I, if I could give, you know, my favorites an award, Riz Ahmed would definitely be on that list. And I already said, uh, Stephen, Stephen Young, I have the biggest crush on him. And this character that he plays is flawless. I cried watching this movie probably from beginning to end, but I just love the character he played so much. And it was so believable and it wasn't shoving anything in your face about how you should feel. Um, but he was just flawless for me as well. So uh, I'm sad that they have to choose because I think um, you've got some really great nominees on this list. Mm-mm-mm. Look, I-, I love me some Gary Oldman. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this category. I love me some Gary Oldman. I love me some Anthony Hopkins, but I think they're good. <laughs> so I think they're good. Yeah, they they're take not a like seat. Jared Leto go- good. Like Jared Leto doesn't need anything, but I feel like, <laughs> you know, right, Anthony I Hopkins and Gary Oldman, you guys are okay. Like You, you guys, guys are, are fine. Good. If Y'all you can lose, take a seat. Yeah, you don't need anything. Y'all are good. Um, Just go sit over there and make room for Delroy Lindo. Thank yes, you please. So much. Uh, what do we have next up on our list? Oh, next up is actor in a supporting role. And the nominees are Sasha Baron Cohen in The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami, Paul Racy in The Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah. Girl, I don't know what you think, <laughs> but let me just say that the fact that there's nobody um, from The Five Bloods on this list is insane I'm also to me. mad. <laughs> I'm also um, mad. I also want to say that I very much enjoyed One Night in Miami. The fact that Regina King, I don't recall seeing her on this list because mm. I know that she directed that right. movie. I thought Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown was amazing and that's not to take anything away from um the two other actors who played malcolm x and cassius clay kingsley benadir and um eli gory i loved these um these characters playing you know fictionalized versions of um historical figures but i will i think i've said this to kim and i may have said this on the golden globes but (laughs) I, I appreciate the genius of Sasha Baron Cohen, but I feel like this is an error to have him on this list. Mm. As much as I appreciated the trial of the Chicago Seven, I didn't feel that Sasha Baron Cohen's character <laughs> was that amazing to pivotal. me. And I know he got, no, he wasn't pivotal. He wasn't mm. captivating to me. Maybe there's somebody else out there who who doesn't. There's obviously lots of people who feel the opposite because he was nominated not just for an Oscar, but I think like a SAG award as well. So um, this list is a tough one too. It's heartbreaking for me because I love Judas and the Black Messiah, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield killing it just as far as these performances. Mm -hmm. Um, And you sent me a really interesting article about Mm. Paul Racy, who people may have not heard about, but I think he's one of the 11 first time actors who are on this list. Girl, I... Paul Racy in The Sound of Metal. Now, granted, I know he's a white guy uh, <laughs> and I am and I just get got on my soapbox about representation in media. However, here's what I'm going to say. If uh, I watched The Sound of Metal and I saw his performance and we usually 
when I am captivated, when someone captivates me and I don't know who they are, I immediately go Google them. I ran to my computer and Googled Paul Racy because he was absolutely incredible. I'm getting emo just thinking about his performance. And there's a particular mm. scene that absolutely like tore me apart that I was like, this is no way, like, there's no way this is acting. Like he's just so incredible. He and was so believable in this role. Just believable. But what I will say is that he is a 72 year old man who has been acting in Hollywood for decades, has been kicking around and has not been able to get any real opportunities. And this is the article that I sent to Michelle where I learned about this. So Paul Racy is the child of deaf parents. So he grew up in the deaf community and understanding the deaf community. So when he got offered this role in Sound of Metal, they loved him so much. Uh, and what I really appreciate is that he brings a, di a, a diversity of ability of different, differently abled people to Oscars, uh, to the Oscars and represents in a very uh, different category. Uh, yes, he's a older white man, but he has a wonderful different life experience than what is typically seen on screen. And I love how he plays It's not a spoiler, but he plays a Vietnam vet who loses his hearing during the war. And so he, he comes to deafness later in his life, but he brought that he wanted to be super sensitive about this because he didn't want to take this role from a deaf actor. Mm. And, Darius Martyr, the writer-director for Sound of Metal, loved his performance so much and was like, well, let's talk about this. Let's have an open conversation about how we can make this right. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's when they came to this um, idea to slightly change a script so that his character w came to deafness later in his life uh, and mm -hmm. wasn't born with it, which was originally not written into this the script. So, Paul Racy like he had such conviction about wanting to have good representation of the deaf community in this movie. And he, he just, he brings that level of sensitivity and authenticity to this movie that that is what I love. Um, that's the kind of representation I want to see um, is someone who's lived that experience, who's lived that life and who wants to make sure that he does right by his community. And so he has a really incredible story. He has been working for like the LA County court system doing um, interpreter work mm. for them for years. In fact, he almost, he turned down this role in Sound of Metal, because he was like, honestly, it wasn't that big a budget film. I, you know, it seemed like it was going to be a little indie thing. They didn't. And I want to say the director is a first time director, too, I believe. I think like I don't know that he has a lot of um, credits. And I think that's one of the things that I feel like they probably missed out on him as him, not just Regina King, but him as well, nominating him, because I think the way that they portray what what. Um, sound or loss of hearing mm -hmm. feels like mm -hmm. was uh, felt very authentic. Mm -hmm. The whole movie felt authentic, mm -hmm. um, which is obviously um, props to all the actors in it and the writing and the directing. Um, but the way that you're experiencing it as a person who is hearing you know, is is amazing how they how they allow you as the audience to process what it could be like for somebody who is either unable to hear or is progressively losing their hearing. It's just a a heartbreaker. <laughs> Lots I, of heartbreak. 
I 100% agree. I think Darius Martyr was a miss for directing um, mm-hmm. uh, for this film because I think he did such a beautiful job at taking into account. He did a lot of research, a lot of background on making this as authentic and as real of a story as possible. Um, so I think there there's definitely a miss in the directing ca- category for him. But Paul Racy, he didn't want to take this job. He was like, this is too, lo-, you know, indie. They weren't giving me a good per, di- per diem. Uh, mm. He's like, I could I could make more money by just staying in town because they wanted to ship him to Massachusetts. That's where they were, were shooting the film. And uh, he turned down the role. And Darius Martyr was like, yo, you can't do this. <laughs> like, let, you know what I mean? Like, let, let's figure it out. Like, you know what I mean? Let's get you more money. And so that's ultimately what happened. And here's Paul Racy, 72 years young and getting an Oscar nomination. And before he had nothing. So that was the thing. I shouldn't say nothing. He did a lot of work with the Deaf West Theater here in Los Angeles. Um, but he had nothing of huge note, right? He wasn't in anything big. Um that you know hugely recognizable so this is his big break and i'm so incredibly happy for him because he is i want to watch sound of metal again for him and and rizamed like I, I they were wonderful and actually if i'm being perfectly honest there is a wonderful supporting cast of deaf actors in that movie that were incredible absolutely incredible mm-hmm. and made this whole film come to life in such a beautiful way so paul racy i am voting for you for actor in a supporting role i I, granted this list is on fire right like it's literally on fire with all these people but paul racy really won my heart and i and i hope he can represent the deaf community um by winning this award um I love The Sound of Metal. I highly recommend it for anybody who's listening and hasn't seen it. I think it's a fantastic movie. And along with that, I would also recommend Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I love this movie from beginning to end. Um, I feel like like Keith Stanfield, we just need to recognize just because I think he's a phenomenal actor overall. And I don't think this is the last time that we will see him nominated for anything. Um, It's just a shame that he's on this list with so many other amazing performances. Um, But I'm going to give this to Daniel Kaluuya. I know that he Mm -hmm. has, he's taken home a SAG award and a golden globe. I believed him to be chairman Fred Hampton. And I did not know much about Fred Hampton before this. Um, but I enjoyed the the performances in this so much. So they felt so real. I think that Daniel Kaluuya is amazing. And I love that. (laughs) I don't know if you saw it, but I think it was in the golden globes when he won his award and everything was remote and he went to go talk and someone had him muted and Laura Dern was presenting. And so he's talking and you can see he's getting like really animated and he's thanking everybody and he's muted and they cut to Laura Dern and she's like, as you can see, we're having a bad connection, which it was like, it wasn't a bad connection. It was some, that clearly somebody had muted him. And so I love it when they finally figured it out and they took him off mute. Daniel Kaluuya is like, you did me dirty. You did me dirty trying to <gasps> say that there's a bad connection. You guys have me on mute. That's your fault. You got to take me off mute so I can say <laughs> my thanks. And I love that yes. so much. Get I love it. his... I love his style. 
literally and figuratively um, everything that he's been wearing in award season. So I'll give it up for Daniel Kaluuya because if you watch any of his performance in Judas and the Black Messiah and you watch any footage of Fred Hampton, there's it's unparalleled. It is like the most amazing, believable performance. So I'll give it up for Daniel Kaluuya as actor in a supporting role. Ooh wee! Oh mm. man, that that category's on fire, y'all. I, I had to I had to call the fire department to put me out because it, this list is. I didn't crazy. call the fire department. I told Sasha Baron Cohen to get out of this category and go put the fire out. He don't belong here. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next category, baby actress in a leading role. Now, this category, oh man, it's also like we're gonna have to call nine one one because I'm on fire. We've got for our nominations this year: Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand. For Nomad Land and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Michelle, what do we think? Man, well, I think I saw Pieces of a Woman and Promising Young Woman back to back. And uh, the first one's on this list. And traumatizing. I was like, oh, yeah, traumatizing. And I was like, Vanessa Kirby, you're uh, just a revelation. Carrie Mulligan. I, I just felt like th- her performance very much resonated with me. I think if you're a woman and you watch that, there's so many pieces of that. Um, film that will resonate with you as a female. Um, but I will say, then I watched uh, Frances McDormand and Viola Davis, and I just believe Viola Davis in this role so Ugh. much. I'm not sure that she's won any. Has she won anything? Um, I feel like she for won for the help, role. but maybe that but was for, a supporting role, yeah? Yeah, maybe, but I don't know that she's, I know that she's been nominated oh, for, for her Ma role Rainey. as as in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but I don't know that she's one for it. Um, This category is fierce. Um, I'll give it up for Viola Davis because she transformed for this role. Incredible. Just the, I know we're not talking all Oscar nominated categories, but as far as like costume design is concerned, wow. I mean, the way that she looked and between her makeup and her costume, I'm all for Viola Davis in this. I love her in general, but oh, maybe she went for, wasn't she in Fences? Um, Oh, Fences, right. Yep. Which she was incredible, but man, she transformed in this role. And I did not know much about this play until I saw the movie and learned a lot about it. Like Kim Googling all this information about it afterwards. And Viola Davis just, ugh, she just got my heart in this one. So I'll give it up for Viola Davis. How about you? I'm with you. I think it's either going to go to Viola Davis or Carrie Mulligan because I Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman is absolutely captivating. I think she does a fantastic job at representing uh, the anger that a lot of us women walk around with and uh, and showing it in plain display. I think it's mm-hmm. very, it's so compelling. Again, I don't know. Someone has going to have to flip a coin for me because I'm not going to be able to choose, but I, I truly love those. I mean, don't get me wrong. Frances McDormand, she is amazing in everything she does, but um, you know, Nomadland I thought was great, but I don't know if it was a role that I thought was like the, the thing to represent 
Francis Francis McDormand for all of time. Whereas like I look at this role with Carrie Mulligan and promising young woman and Viola Davis's role in Ma Rainey's black bottom. And I'm like, those are going to be, those are going to be career, like career lifetime career achievements that I think people will remember them for, for a long time to come. So I'm with you. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I think it's going to be one of these two ladies. All great movies. All great movies. I know Andre Day won a Golden Globe. Um, just as far as Billy Holiday is concerned, talk about representation and mm-hmm. telling the stories that we want to hear. Mm-hmm. So I love this list, and uh, it's a it's a tough choice, but exciting to see what happens. Ooh, next up. Next up is actress in a supporting role, and we have Maria Bakalova from the Borat subsequent movie film. We have Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy. We have Olivia Coleman from The Father, Amanda Seyfried from Mank, and Yu Jung Yoon from Minari. I mean, there is no question for me as, <laughs> as far as who should take this. I think this. we're on the same page. I think I know um, who you're going to say. I told Kim once I watched Minari that she had to watch it. I loved this movie so much. Um, It's very much kind of in the same vein as like character development, like a Moonlight um, movie. If you guys saw Moonlight, it was, it's similar to that where there's a lot of character development, but man, um, Yu Jung Yoon, who plays the grandma in Minari. I can't, I can't. She got me from the minute that she, um, steps into the the role on in this film as the grandma who is not a traditional grandma. <laughs> and if you've seen any of the clips with her and Alan Kim, who plays oh, her God. grandson, the two of them, he goes, "You're not a real grandma because <laughs> she's watching like WWF wrestling, and he's like, real grandmas bake cookies, and real grandmas don't wear men's underwear and watch wrestling and curse um, <laughs> and curse." And she's so charming in this role and we won't spoil it for you what happens um, in this movie but for me it was a must watch this movie has my whole heart Mm -hmm. for this entire award season Um, I would go back and watch it again and cry my eyes out again Mm -hmm. from beginning to end but I thought she I don't think she ended up on a Golden Globes list and I was disappointed because I think that she just what a crime what a crime. How did that happen? She's fantastic. And I watched this interview after that was part of A24 after you whatever downloaded the movie or watched the movie. And she was asked about what she had to do to channel to be who she had to channel or feelings she had to feel in order to be this grandma character in Minari. And she said something really interesting that she had a grandma that she didn't really relate to that she thought was, you know, was older and like didn't understand like her. And so she said, I was really hard on her, just like mm. the grandson in this character was hard on me. And I didn't appreciate her, my grandma, until she was older. And I don't know for any of you out there, but I have definitely gone through that personally where I wish that I could go back and connect with family members that are no longer here that Mm. I didn't appreciate when they were here. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just such a sweet moment when she said that in this interview. And I thought, how sweet. And she said that, that she said, so I understood why he was like 
this grandson character was being mean to me because saying I wasn't a real grandma because I felt those feelings and Mm -hmm. it was very endearing. And I thought that was so sweet. And so, oh, she's for me, there's no question that she needs to take this category. If she doesn't, I will be so sadly disappointed. Um, Listen, she better (laughs) win. Or I'm about to like go light something on fire. There's a lot of fire talk in this episode. I apologize. There's a lot of fire. Kim, Kim's going to uh, go <laughs> Teresa Judice, Real Housewives, flip a table on this. If, I will uh, <laughs> lose my mind if Yu Jung Yoon does not take this home. She needs to take it home. There, she. Every second she's on screen, she is absolutely captivating. Again, you're you're watching this because it's it's mainly subtitled because they're speaking in the native Korean language in their family. Um, but she, with even with subtitles, even with me not understanding the Korean language, I you know this character, you know yeah. her, and you love her, and it's so crystal clear. There are moments where, again, like Paul Racy, that I I cannot believe that she's not real, like that she that she's not this real grandmother character in this film. I loved this film. Like I'm I with- want her to be my grandma or my auntie <laughs> or whatever. Like she's so cute. And if you guys have any opportunity to watch any of her interviews, I highly recommend them. And if I'm being like fully honest. I've only watched one other movie in this category, the Borat film. I didn't watch any of the other ones. So I'm sure that, you know, I love Olivia Coleman as an actress. I'm sure she was fantastic. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Glenn Close. Kim and I were kind of joking. I think she's been nominated like eight times and never won an actual Oscar. So sorry, Glenn Close. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, And Amanda Seyfried, you know, not to take any way, anything away from them, but oh, if she doesn't, you're right. If she doesn't win this category, I don't know what I'll do. Um, I will say that as much as I kind of didn't want to watch the Borat film, I did. I did watch it. I did appreciate it. There were so many like laughable and cringeworthy moments, but Maria Bakalova, <laughs> I love that. I th- I think she's maybe the first Bulgarian actress who's been nominated for an Oscar. Mm. I know she was one of the first Bulgarian actresses to be nominated for a Golden Globe, but um, she was fantastic in the Borat movie. I think she made the Borat movie. I don't think the Borat movie should even be on any of these other lists without her. Right. So I don't want to take anything away from her performance, but Yu Jung Yoon, ugh, stop it. Be my auntie already. Be my auntie already. Life. Yeah, please. Uh, Hemoni, as like the little kids will say in Korean, Hemoni. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm butchering that, but it apparently means grandma. So in our next category, we have animated feature film. Ooh. Onward by Dan Scanlon and Corey Ray. Over the Moon by Glenn Keane Jenny Rim and Palin Cho, a Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, by Rachel Phelan, Will Betcher, Paul Cooley, and Soul, by Pete Doctor and Dana Murray, and Wolfwalkers, by Tom Moore, Ross Stewart, Paul Young, and Stefan Rolands. 
I mean, we had, I mean, we kind of had the same conversation for the Golden Globes thing, but if I'm going to pick a category, if I'm going to pick a category, if I'm going to pick a movie here, Mm -hmm. my heart certainly goes out to Soul and Over the Moon. I absolutely loved both of these films. I loved the representation and the humor and over the moon for Chinese culture and a little girl experiencing grief and wanting to, wanting to explore her grief. And oh, it's just such a beautiful film about family and how family can change and evolve. And soul, I mean, come on. Soul is really just a great statement about finding joy in your life and and realizing that you are surrounded by love and joy and success if you just look for it. So, I love these two films. Michelle, what do you think? Do you have an opinion here? Um, I do. I will say that I know you recommended Over the Moon and that is on my list because I really would like to watch it. I have only seen two of the movies on this list, Onward and Soul. Um, um, I'm kind of surprised that Onward is on this list. Surprised, but kind of not because it is Disney, it is Pixar. Um, Mm. But I am... But I didn't think it was that great of a movie to earn an Oscar nom. Oh, Um, that's that's a big statement. And I also, I know Pete Doctor's been up before, but every time I see his name, I'm like, wouldn't you just be a doctor so someone could be like paging Dr. Doctor? Um, <laughs> you missed your so calling, Dr. Doctor. <laughs> exactly. Missed your calling. Um, I enjoyed Soul so much, um, and it was nice to see repre- representation um, in even an animated film. Um, we've got Jamie Foxx and Questlove doing some mm-hmm. of the voices Incredible for this animated cast movie. for Soul. Absolutely. Incredible. So I'm going to go with Soul just because um, I I liked it the most of what I did see. So I'll go with that, but I'll seem like great options. Agreed. And I mean, the thing I will say, Wolfwalkers is definitely on my to watch list. That the film just looks really beautiful and the message mm. behind the film looks really beautiful. Uh, so I, I do have Wolf Walkers on my list, but I don't feel fair uh, giving it uh, a fair opinion here because I just haven't seen it, but it's definitely on the list. What do we have next? Um, cinematography. Hey, we did keep cinematography on this list. We thought about <laughs> taking it off, but we but, thought, we, mm. I said, Kim, just keep it on. Why not? Um, first up, the first cinematography, Judas and the Black Messiah, Sean Bobbitt, Mank, Eric Messerschmidt, News of the World, Darius Wolowski, Nomadland, Joshua James Richards, and The Trial of the Chicago 7, Fendon Papa Michael. Well, um, I know we're supposed to be talking fictional characters, but I will say that some of the cinematography that I saw in Nomadland was amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that they actually, you said earlier when we were talking about the Sound of Metal, that a lot of the supporting cast were actual members of the deaf community. And same with Nomadland, Mm -hmm. that a lot of the supporting cast were actual folks who are considered nomads who 
live in RVs and travel around the, the country and Doing have gig work. Yeah. Gig work and different, different professions and have a community of people. Um, so I do love that. Um, but I will say that news of the world, I don't know that we necessarily, Kim and I were talking about it as much as we love Tom Hanks. Do we need a story about a white man helping a white girl in, um, 18 in the 1870s old west in texas not necessarily i don't <laughs> think we do the cinematography cinematography in this is supposed to be taking place in texas it was shot in new mexico um is beautiful and uh i told this to kim because it wasn't high on my list as much as i'm a huge tom fanks nerd um I wasn't high on my list of movies to see, but I did watch it within the last couple of days and was pleasantly surprised at the story. Um, there's more to the story than they let on in the trailer. I will just say that without giving too much away. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to see some a little bit more representation, but I love the theme of this movie being identity. Mm-hmm. Um and as much as Tom Hanks was amazing in it, I'm actually glad he didn't end up as like a nominee for acting. I thought um, the girl who plays uh, Johanna um, definitely deserves some recognition, as did Alan Kim from Minari. But I'm going to give this up cinematography for News of the World to Darius Wolski. Oh, all right. Uh, hey, listen, I'm I'm with you there. I think for this category, I'm probably gonna go with Nomadland. I I, I don't have any <laughs> I don't have any hey, strong evidence right. or opinion, but I think I'm gonna go with Nomadland because I do think the cinematography really was a huge part of the storytelling for, I mean, that's such a silly thing to say. Uh, it's such a basic thing to say because cinematography is always a part of the storytelling in film and TV. But I I really felt it with Nomadland. So I'm going to go with Nomadland in this category for Joshua James Richards. I love it. All right. Ooh, this is a big one. Directing is up next. <gasps> what we got, Kim? Directing. All right. We've got another round by Thomas Vintenberg, Mank by David Fincher, Minari by Lee Isaac Chung, Nomadland by Chloe Zhao, Promising Young Woman by Emerald Fennel. Ooh, okay. Before we get into choosing, because I think this is going to be another tough category where I don't, uh, I mean, there's some people on here where I'm like, okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm going to be that, I'm going to bang that drum again, but why is Spike Lee not on here for the Five Bloods? I don't know. I think- I think Spike Lee should absolutely be on this list. I would also like to see, we talked a little bit off tape about David Fincher. Um, David Fincher, I think you're doing all right. Do you need a nomination? Um, I'd love to see Regina King on this list for right. directing as well. So I think those were two misses that should have been on this list. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Do you have a, do you have a prediction for who you think is going to win in this category? Um, I don't know. I think that it might, that it might be Chloe Zhao as far as directing for this. Um, but honestly, I would love to see, I would be happy if she did, I, if she won. Um, but I would not, be disappointed if it was either Lee Isaac Chung or Emerald Fennell because I loved uh, both of their directing for both of these films as well. Um, 
this is a little bit of um, an autobiographical story for Lee Isaac Chung. Mm -hmm. And so um, I like that as well. And I think that you really get immersed into that story. So he's kind of at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. Although I probably would have told you something different right after I watched Promising Young Woman because I was like, give that movie all the awards because it was so phenomenal. So I'm not mad at this list other than the fact that Regina King and Spike Lee should absolutely be on it. Uh, You and I are 100 percent on the same page in this category i don't have anything to add except i 100 percent agree with you i i i love to see i would love to see lee isaac chung or emerald fennel take this home uh but i love the nominees here uh for the most part i gotta be honest with you i'm surprised that thomas ventenberg made it onto here because another round funny enough is actually a nomination for our next category international feature film so for an international feature film to sneak up onto the directing list uh, seems to be uh one in a million i shouldn't say one in a million uh that's a crazy chance but like it's rare so i thought there were more fitting people who could have been on this directing categories list and so i was surprised to see uh, quite frankly mank in another round on here but hey we (laughs) should hey miracles do happen i suppose at the oscars and maybe it's i don't know if it's one in a million or one in 12 or two in 12 but i read somewhere that thomas vinterberg has been uh has directed like 11 or 12 different feature films and has never been nominated for anything so Mm. maybe someone felt some guilt (laughs) massive guilt somewhere yeah, like the glenn close situation (laughs) yeah let's put him in two categories but yes next up is international feature film Mm -hmm. I'm glad that Minari wasn't on this list because I know they tried to make it an international film in other um, award races. First up for international feature film is Another Round from Denmark, Better Days from Hong Kong, Collective from Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin from Tunisia, and Qua Vadis Aida from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um. I have to be honest, you guys, I love a good, I love reading some subtitles. I love a, a international film, but I have not had time to watch any of these same. movies. So, same. same girl, same. Um, <laughs> so it, it, slide into our DMs if you've seen any of these international films or you've seen a really great international film this year. Tell us which one you like um, and we will watch it and report back on it. So I wish that I had like a, um, you know, a running choice in this, but I don't. I Well, here's what I'll say. I watched the trailer <laughs> for all oh, of these. And Excellent. Um, they all look fantastic. They really do. Another round, it, it, in ca- listeners, in case you want like a quick summary, Kim's quick summary on each of these films. I was films. just going to ask you, just give us a quick um, lowdown. Right. We've got Mads Mil- uh, Mikkelsen in this one, um, who, I mean, you've seen him in everything. Uh, and sorry if I butchered his name, but he's in another round. And they just cast him in the new Indiana Jones movie. Oh. Along with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They just announced that this week. Oh, my. Very exciting. I don't know what characters, but there you go. He's definitely going to play a bad guy. <laughs> he always gets play- <laughs> He always gets typecast into a bad guy. Sorry, Mads. He's like, Kim. Uh, anyway, another round Kim, is about- Kim, why you got to typecast me, Kim? I know. Sorry. It's your career. I'm basing it off your career history. So, another round is about a group of uh, male friends and them exploring aging and doing this experiment where they have uh where they take in 
so much alcohol per day to see if it changes the way they behave on a daily basis. So not getting drunk, drunk, but taking in a certain amount of alcohol, kind of like uh, one of the friends brings up this experiment where they found that people who only uh uh, had a particular intake of alcohol actually performed well in certain areas and blah, blah, blah. So this group of friends mm. basically are like, yeah, let's do this experiment. And of course, when you throw in alcoholism into a situation, it gets really sticky. Uh, it's a snowball effect, right? So it's the exploration of these aging men and how they, this experiment starts taking over their lives. So it looks very interesting. Um, and I think I will definitely tune into that one. The second movie, Better Days from Hong Kong. Now, oh, this trailer is tragic. It is about what Uh-oh. appears to be a young man and a young woman. The young girl is getting bullied at school, but um, they're talking about how hopefully their lives will change soon because there are these annual tests, which I didn't know about uh, that happen in China called the Gao Chow. Again, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing that, but um, it's these annual tests that all the students go through throughout China. Um, And like, it's almost as if the entire country is like holding its breath for two days of these, uh, these two days of test. And it determines whether or not where these kids will continue to study on what schools they'll go to, et cetera, et cetera. So it families in China very much look at these annual tests as like the thing that could be that could make or break their family's future. So I'm so interested in learning more about that. So I really want to watch this film better days. This next one collective is actually a documentary. It's not fictional. It's about a real life, uh, uh, fire that happened, uh, in Romania and Bucharest where this club caught on fire at night, a bunch of people died, but what's even worse and or not worse, but, uh, even stranger about this whole fire is that, People were, uh, there was a lot of survivors that went to the hospital, but for whatever reason, died months later within the hospital. And people don't know why, because they didn't have life-threatening injuries or burns. So it's all about investigative journalism and how this doctor basically whistle blew, like whistle blew, whistle blown the situation open and exposed a lot of things with the healthcare system uh, in uh, Bucharest and um, Romania. So that looks incredible. That one got a lot of great nods from different festivals around the world in terms of uh, being an incredible documentary. So I want to watch that. This fourth one, The Man Who Sold His Skin, (laughs) it's literally what it sounds like. It is about a man who sells his back uh, to this artist for this artist to tattoo his back. And then the artist puts him up on like uh, different auctions and stuff like that for rich people to bid on this artwork on this man's back. It is very bizarre. The trailer is very um, uh, mysterious. Doesn't give you a whole lot, at least from this trailer I saw, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to, <laughs> this movie but if this if this rings your bell watch it i'm sure it's great it definitely obviously is getting an oscar nod for a reason but uh i don't know if it's for me 
Um, but definitely to watch trailer, you decide, right? And then this last one, uh, Ko Vadis Aida um, from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, my God, this is this looks tragic. This is a narrative film, but it's based off uh, the 1995 um, uh, Bosnia and Serbian uh, conflicts that were happening. And it is about this woman who is a translator for the UN and how she has family in the area. And they're trying to basically take these people and put them into this like safety base that's run by the UN and how it just... It, it the story you know gets uh very tragic um as uh forces uh count um sorry um, p- opposing forces make their way into the town and ultimately onto the base so again a, a heavy a heavy heavy story but based off real events looks looks very looks very good um and tells like a very unique story i shouldn't say unique um but a story that you don't as an American, we don't really hear much about because we often have this like, oh, well, that's not here. Um, so I want to watch a story just so I can learn more about that conflict that happened. Because when you think about it, 1995 was not very far away. Um, I was a preteen at the time. So anyway, those are the, those are Kim's quick summaries of the international feature <laughs> film category. <laughs> That's a lot to take in, you guys. That's a lot. Uh, let us know if you watch them. Kim will report back when she <laughs> she watches them. It might uh, take me a while to come to n- and watch all of these, but uh, they sound interesting, if not um, very in-depth. Yeah. All righty. Up next, we have writing. Adapted screenplay. Girl, I got an opinion about this already. <laughs> <laughs> First up for our nominations. Can't wait to hear. (laughs) This is a long one, girl. I mean, this is more than 109 characters and almost like seems like 109 people that wrote this screenplay. But (laughs) we're going to give them all their their dues here. Okay, so our nominees are first up Borat subsequent movie film delivery a prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan screenplay by Sasha Baron Cohen and Anthony Hines and David Schwimmer and Peter Bainham and Erica Rivinoja and Dan Meiser and Jenna Friedman and Lee Kern and story by Sasha Baron Cohen and Anthony Hines and Dan Swimmer and Nina Padrad. Oh my God. That was the first category. That was the first nomination. By the way, I think you threw David Schwimmer in there. I did say that. You did say David Schwimmer, but I was going to let, I just, that cracked me up so hard. Oh my God, guys. It's not David Swimmer. But I love it. I'm so sorry. It's David Swimmer, not Schwimmer. My God. Dan. Dan. Dan, uh, Sorry. Dan Swimmer. Did I say David? Dan Swimmer. I am so sorry, Dan and David. Dan and David are both super offended at me right now. Uh, no, I think that David Schwimmer somewhere is very happy that he just got <laughs> nominated for an Oscar. That was just the first nomination, y'all. The second <laughs> nomination is The Father, screenplay by Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller. Nomadland, written for the screen by Chloe Zhao. One Night in Miami, screenplay by Kemp Powers. The White Tiger, written for the screen by Raman Barani. 
now. Whew. Hit okay. me up. Hit me up with all those things that you said you were feeling about this category. So here's the funniest thing. I was like, how the hell did Borat subsequent movie film make it onto this category for writing for adapted screenplay? Because in my mind, an adapted screenplay is something that is based off some other entity, like a play, a book, uh, maybe a musical, what have you, right? Mm-hmm. And they were able clever girl they were able to sneak in borat subsequent movie film because apparently you can be nominated for adapted screenplay if it's based off a previous movie Mm. tricky tricky i was like sitting here being like how the hell did borat make it onto here and that is how they did it they based it they're like oh it's adapted from the original borat film Wow. Now, I um, I don't know. I have thoughts about a Borat. I feel like it falls into like a real particular category for me where there's a lot, of, obviously a lot of satire and sarcasm. Um, I, don't, I don't love it that much for <laughs> it to be on th- my list for the Oscars. But that's just me. I mean, I don't know. You have strong feelings about this. I mean, there were definitely times where it was very eye-opening. Like I said, I thought Maria Bar- B- uh, Bakalova was amazing in it, and to me, she she is this film, and that's that, that she's the only one I really want recognized. I mean, I think Sasha Barracona is doing fine. I don't think we necessarily, at least for me, I didn't need another Borat film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to see any Rudy Giuliani. You know what I mean? But. The fact that this is on this list in the first place is a little bit crazy to me. It is a bit crazy to me, but um, because uh, I have a lot of opinions about great films that aren't necessarily heavy dramas, but never get an Oscar nod. But then you have something as wackadoo as Borat <laughs> subsequent movie yeah. film make it onto this I list. I mean, I'm and- not asking for like some crazy, like crazy drama to be on this list. I'm like... Really? Like, no, yeah. It's kind of like when we, Kim and I will see, we'll see like a particular actor in, or an actor in something, whether it's a TV show or a movie. And we're like, of all the actors that you could have picked, like, this is the person that you picked. Like, there's so many great options out there. I feel like that this falls into that that same response for me. That I don't know if this well, is like the best choice in my mind. If I'm being perfectly honest, I'm mad that this movie is on here and nominated on here for adapted screenplay because most of it wasn't written. It was most of the movie is improvised. It's real people going through, you know, experiencing Borat and his daughter and these weird situations. It's not written. No one actually wrote this. Now, granted, there's like, I just listed off like 15 people as a part of the quote unquote screenplay. Um, mm-hmm. But arguably, this is not, well, first of all, it's definitely not adapted, but I guess it's adapted um, according to the Academy. By trickery rules. <laughs> the loopholes, right? But like, to me, this is not really a screenplay. And I'm sure they had an outline and I'm sure they had beats that they knew they wanted to hit and places they wanted to go. But to me, this is not really a screenplay. As a, as a writer, I would be like, okay, 
Um, most of the film is definitely improvised. And now granted that's, it should be appreciated in a different category for that because improv and, um, stitching a story together through different circumstances and real life scenarios is not easy to do, but why it's in this category for writing adapted screenplay I don't know. I'm I'm uh, sorry. Call me by the book, but I don't know why it's in this category for that reason. Because it to me, this doesn't scream screenplay. Hmm. Anyway, so who do we think is going to win here? Do you have an opinion? I I think we. It's funny because I don't feel. I don't feel ex- extremely drawn to any of these particular movies in terms of adapted screenplay, except for maybe Nomadland. Um, you know what? I really enjoyed One Night in Miami. Um, Kemp Powers wrote the screenplay. I want to say that he also wrote the play and um, mm-hmm. he also yep. wrote Soul um, and yes. or was one of the writers for Soul, I think. Yeah. So um, I thought One Night in Miami was great. Like I said, I felt that the acting was unrepresented on this list because I think not just Leslie Odom Jr., but um, there's such great acting. I I know that I I don't want to keep saying that Regina King should be recognized on this list, but I feel that she really did make this play come to life in movie form where it actually still had the elements of feeling like a play. And if you watch the movie, you know what I mean? And if you end up watching it, I highly recommend it. You will know what I mean. Mm. Um, So I would... I actually thought One Night in Miami was um, was really great. It allowed all elements of this story to shine. Um, and um, I just recently watched The White Tiger, which is based on a book yeah, um, by the same name. Yet. It's on Netflix. Um, and it, I think it's one that, Kim, you would like. Um, I have no complaints about this movie. I didn't read the book, but I think it's an interesting um, tale about uh, the caste system in India, mm. um, mm-hmm. and how, uh, as a person of a lower class, a caste, you could feel trapped, mm. um, and maybe not feel that you want to get out. That you're kind of trapped, and you're almost like um choosing to stay trapped. Yeah. And I feel like that concept is really fascinating. Um, and there's also this element of what a person would do in order to be successful Mm. in order like to be successful and potentially break out of their cast. What would, what is, what would a person do? And would you consider that right or wrong? Or Mm. would you consider it fair if someone's disadvantaged and they're using everything that they should to make the most out of their own situation? Oh, I need to watch this. I think it's really interesting. I'm still thinking about it after watching it like a week ago. Um, but um, so No Man Land, One Night in Miami, The White Tiger. I wouldn't be upset if they, they any of them um, won, but I might be leaning towards to One Night in Miami. Ooh, all righty, all righty. All right, our next category. What do we got? Uh, Our next category is writing, but original screenplay. The nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, screenplay by Will Burson and Shaka King, story by Will Burson and Shaka King and Kenny Lucas and Keith Lucas. Minari, written by Isaac Lee Chung. Promising Young Woman, written by Emerald Fennell. 
Sound of Metal, screenplay by Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr, story by Darius Martyr and Derek Sinefrance, and The Trial of Chicago 7, written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, uh, Kim already knows my feelings about the, the Trial of Chicago 7, but Kim, what are your feelings on this list? Um, I, I think it has to go to Minari or Promising Young Woman. As much as I loved Sound of Metal, I think they're... Uh, Minari and Promising Young Woman were films that I think were so different to what I've seen being represented uh, f- in in, uh, in screenwriting um, mm-hmm. for films. So I <laughs> I gotta give it to these two. I think Promising Young Woman, as much as I loved Minari, I think Promising Young Woman needs to win because it's so important. It is such the message that it has to deliver is so incredibly important right now for women. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- again, this is like a category where someone's going to have to like hold a gun to my head and be like, Kim, uh, choose one. I'll be like, just shoot me. Just shoot me. I, I, can't, exactly. I can't choose. Just, just shoot, shoot me. me. Um, or just whatever. Sorry, Aaron Sorkin. I, yeah. I, I mean, listen, I love Aaron Sorkin. I love, um, I, I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah, but I am certain it is wonderful. But I just think that from, I don't know, f- from what I'm seeing in the news and from what, I, I just think we need to, I do think we need to give it to Promising Young Woman, woman because uh, it's just such an important message that we haven't heard yet mm-hmm. uh, in screenwriting. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, I'll be honest, guys. It, uh, it could be any of these except for the ch- trial of Chicago Seven for me. <laughs> um, I, I've actually watched all these movies. Whoa, that, that's like five for five for me on this list. Yeah. Um, uh, I have. I think that the trial of Chicago Seven is just is an interesting movie. Um, is an interesting film. Uh, I also enjoy Aaron Sorkin, but I don't think he needs to be on this list. And. Uh, Shouldn't the five bloods be on this list? And Girl. then I'd just be like, then, then definitely put a gun to my head because I can't choose. <laughs> um, so um, I would say, though, that I'm kind of guess leaning towards Judas and the Black Messiah or um, Minari or Promising Young Woman. I, I think Sound of Metal is great, but I don't know. That would kind of be a surprise if they gave it to, to, that, to that film. But I thought that Judas and the Black Messiah was so fantastic, so relevant. And what's interesting is I didn't realize this is that Kenny Lucas and Keith Lucas um, are twins. Um, not that <laughs> I didn't, that, that matters, but they, I know them because they do stand up together and I've seen oh. them do the Lucas brothers. Um, I've seen them do oh, um, yes, stand up. Of course. And you, Kim has seen them. I'm sure some of you who are listening have seen them. Um, they had a really bit part in 21 Jump Street as one of like the one of the guys, you know, twins in the dorm. So they recently did an interview and they were talking about want writing this screenplay, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. Wow. And wanting Kim, Kim can understand this. They, they wanted it to be something that got made. They so mm-hmm. believed in this story and they so believed in telling this side of the story of the black Panthers and the black Panther movement. Mm-hmm. And, 
the good that the Black Panthers did in Chicago. And so they wrote this together and they said they got everywhere they turned, everywhere they took it, it was turned down. And nobody wanted to make this film. Nobody had any interest in helping them with the screenplay and making it into something. And it wasn't until they got hooked up with Will Burson that they actually mm. were able to progress with it and i i love that I and love i thought like this that. movie <laughs> i mean granted i don't so, like that it had to take so long but man it had to take so long but it, it's it's so relevant i think that it tells a story that a lot of people don't know um about fred hampton mm-hmm. about um how he and the black panthers were treated mm-hmm. um by the the FBI and what happened to him. But man, what a story. So I don't know. I, I think I'm probably rooting a little bit for Judas and the Black Messiah and seeing all the interviews that Isaac, uh, Lee Isaac Chung has done talking about Minari. Mm. Um, top of my list. But I, I do agree with you. I think that Promising Young Woman is so relevant to our time, relevant to us as, as females. So like I said, this is a great list. Um, I would have loved to see uh, Spike Lee on this list as well. Um, yeah. Four to five bloods. And then it would have done, then I, then it would just would have been a tough choice, but really great stories all around. And I think stories that right now, um, at least between Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari and Promising Young Woman that we need to, we need to recognize and we need to see. Mm. So, and I think that's really cool. It goes back to Kim's point, your point at the beginning when you said, you know, to have by POC characters, even if it's like fictionalized versions of historical figures, by POC characters in made by by POC people for by POC. Mm-hmm. And so um I love that. We've got some representation on this list and I'm I'm all for it. So ugh, tough choice, tough category. Well, let's just continue this tough conversation into our very last category. Guys, this is the category that everybody fights for. This is where some drama happens. You know, it it, it really comes down to this best picture, best picture category. Alrighty, guys, strap in. I got a lot of names to list, okay? <laughs> Our first nomination, The Father, David Parfit, Jean-Louis Levy, Philippe Carcassonne, Judas and the Black Messiah. Let me do this again. Judas and the Black Messiah, Shaka King, Charles D. King, Ryan Coogler, Mink, Sean Schaffin, Eric Roth, Douglas Urboski, Minari, Christina O. Oh. Nomadland, Francis McDormand, Peter Spears, Molly Asher, Dan Janvey, and Chloe Zhao. Promising Young Woman, Ben Browning, Ashley Fox, Emerald Fennel, and Josie McNamara. Sound of Metal, Bert Hemelink and Sasha Ben Harosh. The Trial of the Chicago Seven, Mark Platt and Stuart Besser. Ooh, we, as if we weren't Ooh, already debating we. this entire phone call, how the heck are we going to pick a best picture? I don't even know. I don't know, but I feel like Defy Bloods needs to be on this list. How many times <laughs> I got to say that? <laughs> Sorry, Mark Platt and Stuart Besser. You guys are great. But and Aaron Sorkin, nice job. But I don't think the trial of Chicago 7 needs to be on this list. Someone slide into our DMs and tell me what I'm missing on the trial <laughs> of Chicago 7. Um, but I think Defy Bloods absolutely needs to be on this yeah. list to make this list perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Um 
I am a little bit surprised that One Night Miami isn't on this list, but I mean, I guess at this point, beggars can't be beggars. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Who's at the top of your list for Best Picture, Kim? Listen, I'm taking a shot in the dark, and uh, there's so many movies on here that I love. You guys have already heard me talk about this for the last hour, but I think it's going to go to Minari. I would love that. I would love it if it went to Minari. Um, the only thing I would love more is Judas and the Black Messiah, a promising young woman. But I would love to see it go to Minari. Um, and maybe, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah is close. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know, you guys, that movie, I still think about, I still think about Daniel Kaluuya's performance in it um, and how fantastic. I love that Sound of Music, uh, Sound of me- Music, Sound of Metal was recognized. <laughs> um, sound and of that Music. No me- sound of Music, this turned into a whole different show yeah. in like two seconds. Uh, what is happening? Um, yes, so I love that the Sound of Metal was on here and I love that Nomadland was on here as well. I, I mean, it would be incredible <laughs> If Minari and Parasite won back one. to back, right? That would right? be like two Korean cast, uh, you know, producers, crew. Uh, wow, what would that man talk about representation in media? Girl, I'm going to be eating crow. Um, if both- or if Judas and the Black Messiah wins, and in the midst of everything we've seen within the past, not just the past like six months, but the past four years, everything that we've seen, and to have two guys who are identical twins who wrote this story <laughs> yeah. because they wanted to tell the rightful story of the Black Panthers. Right took them so long just to get it made and then for this to take best picture i would just cry tears of joy i will be honest to god i mean uh minari or juice and the black messiah i mean i would love to see either of those films win truly absolutely Ooh, well guys that was our oscar predictions for 2021 let's see how correct we are when when everything, when uh, push comes to shove and we're uh, seeing this play out. When push comes to out. shove, let's see how much fur- furniture that Kim and I have that stays intact. Because <laughs> um, we are angry about who actually takes home an Academy Award. Let me tell you right now, I'm going to lose my shit if Mank is one of, is like, wins anything. Sorry. Sorry, Mank. Sorry, David Fincher. Sorry, Gary Oldman. But I will <laughs> lose my mind. I felt that way. I feel like was it maybe it was the Golden Globes or the SAG Awards. I think at the SAG Awards, the the trial of the Chicago Seven did really well. Now I'm not saying it's not a great movie and that Aaron Sorkin isn't great. I just feel like there's so m- many other great, shall I say, better choices. So mm-hmm. I was really surprised by that um, and a little turned off by it. So yes, same. I will lose my mind as well. But. If not, even if they don't win um, an Academy Award just based on everything that Kim and I chose, we've got a great list of things for you to watch if you haven't seen some of these films. And we highly recommend that you go and check them out and enjoy them yourself. And before we let you go again, let's do our thank you to you listeners for tuning in to the show. We, you know, hey, we uh, uh, maybe in your hearts and minds, you would give us an award for best (laughs) best podcast of the year. Don't know. But hey, if you love us, maybe you could leave us a five star review in Apple podcast and let us know that uh, in our in your hearts that we are winners. 
I love that. And if you do, you know that we'll give you shout out a shout out on the next episode. So thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the Oscars. In between episodes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Crush Fictionally. And feel free to slide into those DMs. Or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. You've been listening to Crush Fictionally with original music by the talented Edith Mudge, artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock, and produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. Yeah.